No matter if points are gained or points are lost, there will be much to discuss. For analysis regarding tonight's Winnipeg Jets game, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve post-game show starts now. Good evening, Winnipeg. Good evening, Manitoba. For all those joining us live this evening on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms, we say good evening, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve post-game show. With Dave Manuk, with Ezra Ginsberg, I'm your host, Drew Mandel, here to discuss another Winnipeg Jets victory. This one coming in overtime by a 3-2 margin over the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Jets extend the winning streak to four games in a row, 7-2-1 and one in their last 10. In their last 10. And what, am I, what are we up to now? Someone remind me, is, 11, is it points in 11 of their last 13? If I'm not mistaken, something along those lines. Uh, it's hard to keep track now. That's, uh, I guess, a good sign for if you're a fan of the Winnipeg Jets. With the victory tonight, they move into second spot in the Central Division, a point behind the Dallas Stars. Of course, lots of hockey still to be played tonight in a very busy pre-Thanksgiving Wednesday on the NHL calendar. There's our buddy Joe Pascucci. He's in the chat. He's ready in the bullpen just in case. You're, Joe, be careful what you wish for. You never know when we might have to call you up. Joe's Joe. done more shows than Drew this year. Hey, well, as he throwing the throwing the barbs at me already, and the irony of that comment, of course, is I'm not going to be here on Friday either. But I'll be back. Don't That's worry. why You'll Joe's be... waiting in the bullpen, like That's he said right. in the chat. Exactly. You know, tap in the lefty. I'm not sure if Joe's a lefty or not, or if he's a righty. But tap him in, and he can join us. Good to see both of you, gentlemen. It sort of feels like this was just like the Jets coming off their bye week. It's been this odd sort of you know big lull in games since Saturday. Obviously, with no games Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, we're not used to uh, that kind of sort of random mid-November break in the schedule. But it is nice to see both you gentlemen to talk about tonight's Jets uh, Tampa Bay Lightning game. Ezzy, how are things in your world? Good. It was just a, a good hockey game. That's all that was, right? Like it was, it was just yeah. a good skating back and forth hockey game. Lots of chances. And Connor Hellebuck was excellent. I thought Jonas Johansson was also very good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Adam Lowry, the not so unlikely hero in overtime. So I think that, you know, you got to give the Jets a lot of credit because they were pretty sluggish through parts of that second and third period. I think we would probably give the Jets the advantage in the first period, even though the, the Lightning had some good chances that Hellebuck stopped as well, right? You think of the uh, Brandon Hagel breakaway mm -hmm. and the Nikita Kucherov. Was it Kucherov or Hagel? I forget who had the breakaway. I think it was Hagel. Hagel had the breakaway. Yeah, and then yeah. Kucherov had the really good chance. And, yeah. and Kucherov was excellent uh, all night long. And, you know, I kept thinking about this Tampa Bay team and all the players that they've lost over the years. Yeah. And that's still a really good hockey team. Like, not just, you know, Stamkos, Point, Kucherov, Hedman, Vasilevsky, obviously, when he's healthy, but even guys like Anthony Sorelli and Mikhail Sergachev. Uh, you know, I, I thought even Tyler Mott looked good in this game. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it was kind of a little bit slower for the Jets offensively in the second and third periods, but they stuck with it, and the captain got the winner. So the Jets, as you mentioned off the top, Drew, they just keep rolling. 
I think, Dave, it's safe to say that any concern about O'Connor Hellebuck has now been put to bed uh, after a bit of a – he had the sluggish start uh, to the season, but this is another one of those games today that, you know, if it wasn't for Connor Hellebuck, uh, particularly, uh, certainly, as you mentioned, that Brandon – the save-off Brandon Hagel early in the game, and then in the second and third period, I thought that Connor Hellebuck certainly was uh, uh, a key contributor to the Winnipeg Jets victory tonight. We know that the, the Lightning handily won the possession battle in tonight's game they handily won the expected goals they handily won the high danger chances but they ultimately didn't win the game and Connor Hellebuck deserves a solid amount of credit for that yeah I mean you look you're not going to want the Jets to backtrack and lose all their five on five play and the effective five on five play because they're like oh well Hellebuck's back so now we don't have to worry about it and uh I think you're right though Drew I mean Connor Hellebuck was Connor Hellebuck for most of this evening, and he made a, a number of significant saves throughout the course of this game, and uh, you know it, it was necessary. I mean, it was a, it was a really good hockey game. I actually thought I said you know when I tweeted, I said the the truth is, oh, <laughs> Kenny KWB is like in my uh, my Mendel tweet, my Mendel mimicking from last week. But um, we'll see if I can do it again tonight. We'll see if I'm inspired. But no, I was going to say this is one of those games. I thought actually both teams kind of deserved a point because I thought that there was a lot of good things from both. I thought there were a lot of chances that either team could have won that game in the third period. And ultimately, again, they'll each take a point. And of course, the Jets will take two points of run to South, to Sunrise uh, to play at, I don't remember the name of the arena, the new name now. Uh, I saw one of the Boston writers who I think the Bruins are in Florida tonight. They said they keep changing the name of the arena. So it's on its like hundredth name or something like that. But regardless of what the it's new yours. name of, no, I know, but regardless of what it's called, I th- think the Jets will take those two points and run because, uh, yeah, it was a good game overall. And yes, Connor Hellebuck was excellent. Yeah, you know, Connor, as I think you you said it your, you said it right yourself. This was just an entertaining hockey game. You know, by and large, this was just a well played hockey game. Uh, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning. You know, as you said, as you know, we know how many guys they've lost off the roster, and we know that they're still without uh, Andre Vasilevsky, and he's set to come back sooner rather than later, maybe next week, uh, or you know, with certainly within the next couple weeks is 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 what they're expecting. Uh, for the record, the new arena in Florida, or the arena in Florida, is now called the Amerant Bank Arena. So there you go. In case you were keeping track at home. Uh, but, you know, this Tampa Bay Lightning team, they're still a damn good hockey team. Their record might not be, uh, you know, what it were, where they were used to seeing them. They're not on top of the Atlantic Division because the Bruins are there. But they're still a third-place team. It's still a playoff team. They're ahead of the Maple Leafs right now in that Atlantic Division. Anytime you can go into Tampa, it's a good win. But this was a really entertaining hockey game. These were two teams with a lot of talent and a lot of skill. But you know what's jumped out at me regarding the Jets over the last couple of games, and these are games that they've won. So this is you know this isn't criticism, but this is just what I'm observing. They had the depth to withstand losing one forward. I don't know that they could withstand the depth of losing two forwards for a long period of time, that being Velarde and Kupari. So I think it's a very good thing that Gabe Velarde is set to return to the Jets lineup sooner rather than later. We don't know if it's for sure going to be on this road trip, but I think it's only a matter of you know a game or two now until he's set to return to the lineup. And I think you'll start seeing the Jets. I think this, this recent, I mean, I'm going to describe it as an on-ice backslide a little bit at five-on-five. I think that'll be mitigated by having Velarde back and then, of course, getting that improved depth to your forward group again. 
Yeah, I think the Jets would have a lot more problems, Drew, if it was a top six forward. Like, all due respect to Rasmus Kupari, mm-hmm. he's pretty replaceable, right? Like, no goals, one assist in 15 or 16 games, right? And I'm not saying that he wasn't a useful player and he hasn't been impressive as a Jet, right? Like, just offensively, he doesn't bring, you know, uh, or at least he hasn't executed at the level that you would like to see on the fourth line. And, and David Gustafson has done an admirable job, right? He scored a, pardon me, he had a good scoring chance. Uh, in the third period in this game, Morgan Barron had a good scoring chance and limited ice time. I actually thought the fourth line was pretty good. And Axel Janssen Fialbi, I think, is perfectly capable. What I'm saying is, I don't think the drop off from Kupari to a guy like Janssen Fialbi or David Gustafson or Dominic Toninato is that big. But your point is well taken. A thing that hasn't been talked about a lot this year, guys, is Nick Ehlers and Cole Perfetti have played every single game. Right? Sure. Like, and that going into the season, that was something we were talking about. Perfetti missed 30 games. Ehlers missed, what did he miss, 25 games, 30 games last year. He might have missed more. Uh, so, I mean, in the top six, you, you've only lost Velarde. But I know what you're saying. I mean, I think, you know, in this particular game, you know, the this wasn't the, the best game for the Lowry line. Obviously, Lowry scores the OT winner. But I think you guys would agree, like, Lowry, Appleton, Niederreiter didn't have, you know, a ton of scoring chances or, or sustained pressure. It was the Shifley line and then obviously the Nemestikov line that was driving the bus offensively. And you expect that. And you expected, you know, the Lowry line to cool down, right, Dave? Like, you know, they were so red hot, uh, you know, earlier, you know, a couple of weeks ago. You, you you can't expect Niederreiter to score a hat trick every game like he did against Arizona, right? So I agree with you, though, Drew. I mean, Velarde is coming back at the perfect time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll see if he goes back on, on the top line with Shifley and Connor. But Shifley and Connor, to me, like, there's a lot of similarities between, you know, and, and Tampa Bay happens to have three of these guys where I don't know if you could say that, but like Kucherov and Point, you know, the Jets can counter that with Shifley and Connor. And I think what you saw in this game, the reason why it was such an entertaining game is because you're seeing both of these lines at their best. Entering this game, the Lightning had won three in a row, the Jets had won three in a row, and Kucherov and Connor are both right up there in the Rocket Richard race. Yeah, they're both, look, all, all four of those guys you just mentioned are exquisite talents. I mean, I yes. think I would still lean towards, uh, I would lean towards uh, uh, the Tampa Bay duo more than the Jets duo, but it's not, uh, you know, it's not a huge gap between the two or anything along those not lines. Not the way Shifley's playing this year, Drew. No, I think last year she, you could yeah. say that there was, you know, a bigger gap, but like, I got to give Shifley credit, like, he has mm-hmm. since he he has played well in all 18 games. Like he has, and I'm not being sarcastic. Obviously, there have been better games than others, but like he has from the from the first game against Calgary, yeah. he has been excellent for the Jets on that top he, line. He's been engaged. He's been engaged and his div and his give a damn factor has been high all season long. And Kyle, look, neither of those guys are going to be defensive stalwarts. Now, Shifley is probably playing some of the better defensive hockey. Uh, in in the last number of years, but you know that might be damning with faint praise as well. And I'll give credit to Dave on this one. Dave is the one who said, and he said it in the off season. He said that once Shifley signs a contract, and you know we were all surprised that it ended up being here in Winnipeg. But Dave was the one who said that, and he probably said it. You probably said it towards the end of last year as well, and in the off season, Dave. That mm-hmm. once Shifley gets that contra- contractual situation resolved, wherever it gets resolved and whenever it gets resolved, you thought that you'd see a more defensively responsible Mark Shifley. And so far, I mean, he's, again, he's not going to be a Selkie winner, but I think <laughs> that you've been proven that you've been proven accurate with that comment. Yeah, I mean, I, I just thought that there was a chance that he would know that he doesn't have to worry about that. And again, now he gets to focus on his legacy. 
and and uh, trying to do something that's never been done in this city before. And again, I mean, he's he'll be immortalized most likely regardless. What's that, Dave? <laughs> well, they, they've won championships before. Yeah, the Victoria. It's been a while. Or, or WHA, or as Drew just said. Yeah, I had to check you there. Yeah, because the Winnipeg team has won the Stanley Cup. That's true, but it's been a long time. So um, that was Ezzy. That was back when I, I just don't even. I don't even say it. I know exactly where you're going with this. I, I know you know it, but I want to make sure the chat knows and the folks yeah. listening on the podcast. Of course, hello to you. But who's going to give us a breakdown of the Great Depression at the end of the show? <laughs> I thought that was this show. I thought that was the whole point. Anyways, look, it, like I. We, well, that's actually we thought... my friendship with Drew. He calls it the Great Depression. <laughs> I call it the worst mistake of my life is what I call it. <laughs> that's led to the Great Depression. It's it's a two it's a two step domino. <laughs> my point is, boys, is that uh, Mark Shifley is doing what I thought he would do. Is I, I thought he would really be focused on trying to get this team to that next level. And and again, changing his game, much like his idol, Steve Eisman. And I know he gets a little tired hearing it, but it's the truth. Like Eisman changed his game. And again, Eisman had a phenomenal supporting cast in Detroit, but he had to change his game from being high offense all the time to someone who played a little bit more defensively. And Mark Scheifele, he knows that in order to win championships, and that seems to be the mantra, right? That's the mantra of this coaching staff. You hear it from Scott O'Neill all the time. We heard it from Rick Bonus all the time. So that's what they want to do. They want to play a tighter defensive game. And and look, is is Kyle Connor going to be like I, I jokingly tweeted today? Kyle Connor is allergic to playing defensive hockey, but made a hell of a play on that back check to mm-hmm. uh, prevent that breakaway, shorthanded breakaway. But I mean, ultimately, Mark Shapley knows that in order for him to be able to get to that next level, he's got to change his game. And and we're seeing it, right? He's and he's still getting points. Like he still leads his team, or he's tied. I should say, I think either tied or he's leading the team. With 22 points, so I mean, Con- no, I guess Connor has 23, Shapley has 22, so he's he's right up there, and so you're still having offensive success, and your team again is playing better defensively as a whole, and and with Connor Hellebuck appearing to be the old Connor Hellebuck, I mean, this team is uh, rolling, and look, as you've said, Drew, you know, you go 4-0 and one during that homestand, you win this game tonight, no. 4-1 so I mean, no. what did I say, 4-0 and one, 4-1 yeah. and no, sorry. So you're 4-1-0 at home, and then you win this game tonight. So you've already made the road trip, you know, a, a good start. And now you just have to go into Florida and uh, keep that rolling. But we'll see what they are able to do. But it, it definitely starts at uh, with the way, he's, as, as he said, with the way 37 played tonight. You know, I want to give a shout-out to, obviously, we're going to be talking about a lot of players who had good games, right? Like we've already talked about Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley, Josh Morrissey. I thought Nate Schmidt maybe had his best game of the year, right? Like, And mm-hmm. I realized that. You know, he didn't have any points, I don't believe. Um, no, but, you know, I think he played around 15 minutes with, with Sam. He played, uh, yeah, 17, uh, 14 minutes exactly. Yeah, so 14 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I just liked his game. Like, I just thought he, you know, his positioning was good. He was making the the quick reads and the quick passes out of his own zone. Like, that's the thing that I think, Dave, you would agree, right? Like, when Nate Schmidt gets into a little bit of trouble when he's turning the puck over or forcing things, right? So I just wanted to get that in there. I just for a guy that like, you know, was a healthy scratch, you know, a few games ago, Logan Stanley comes in. I just th- I thought Schmidt was good. Like, right. He got a little bit of power play time. That's the other thing, boys. Like there were three power plays in this game, two power play goals. That that's what you like to see. Like, I love that type of hockey that where, you know, 90 percent of the game is yeah. is five on five. And so that I mean, you don't want to say it had a playoff feel. Um, but that's the type of game that you want, right? Like there are some games that are three, two, and that are really boring. Mm-hmm. That was not one of them. 
No, this was a high event hockey played by two very skilled teams. And I think everybody was entertained by tonight's game. And most people would say that win or lose, regardless of what the uh, result would have been in overtime. Yes, David. Well, no, I was going to say it. It's funny because Mitch Clinton, uh, who works, you know, is the color broadcaster with uh, Paul. our friend Paulie Edmonds on the radio broadcast. And Dave, fellow Crecom grad. Fellow Crecom grad with Ezzy. One of them did something with their life, and I don't want to say which one it is. Well, obviously it's Ezzy, Drew. So anyways, nope. the point is that... Mitch has no, me but, there. But Mitch was talking to uh, Scott O'Neill today in the uh, pregame, in the uh, morning skate, sorry, following morning skate. And and he said, and it's inter- it was a curious comment, but he was, I made me think about all the games. Even though these teams only play each other twice a year, they have had a level of intensity that you are unexpected. You know, it's not like you see this with when the Jets play Carolina or when the Jets play, I don't know, insert Eastern team that you don't see very often here. The Islanders. Sure. Yeah. Islanders is a great example, but for whatever reason, the games against Tampa always seem to be good ones. And, and I, I was like, okay, well, we'll see. And then tonight it, it, it was proved to be right because it was a fantastic hockey game. That it was. Probably likely due to the skill that's on the ice when these two teams meet each other, but uh, tonight certainly was an entertaining game. Why don't we get into it? We'll go goal by goal as we do on each and every edition of the Illegal Curve post-game show. It brought to you by our friends of Betway, of course. This is the Betway Game Recap. The Betway Game Recap. Big thanks to our friends at Betway, longtime supporters of this Illegal Curve post-game show. You know Betway is one of the most trusted voices in sports betting, both in Canada and all around the world. Betway is the sports betting app that puts you, the customer, at the forefront. What are you waiting for? Head on over to Betway and bet your way. Please, please, please play responsibly, especially... With it being you, you know, thank U.S. Thanksgiving Thursday. I know there's a lot of betting opportunities midday tomorrow with all the NFL games, and we're not going to say don't bet, but we're going to say bet responsibly, and that's what our friends at Betway would like likewise say. You guys having turducken at the Mendel household? Uh, not tomorrow. There won't be a turducken tomorrow, but uh, there will be a turkey uh, later on 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 Saturday. We we you know, we'll, uh, the wife has already started to prepare. And there's many different foods already uh, underway for uh, the big feast that'll be occurring on Saturday. Okay, but hold on. I got to ask you a question because Laura, of course, is American from the great state of Kentucky. It's the Commonwealth. Does she find it weird? Sorry, the Commonwealth of Kentucky. I should have learned my lesson. You did. Exactly. But it is a state as well, though. Yes, but go on. Does she find it weird that Canadians call it American Thanksgiving? Well, no. I mean, she understands that for Canadians, why would they call it Thanksgiving? We have our own Thanksgiving. No, no, no. I not not from our perspective, but like for for Laura, it's just Thanksgiving, right? So like they don't in the U.S. they don't call it American Thanksgiving, or they don't know. Let's be honest; they don't know that we is this the, is this like a corollary of the in China? Do they call it Chinese food? No, they just call it food. Is that is that where you're sort of I going? Was, with that I, did un- I did on un- no, you. I did on you. I wasn't, I wasn't that hating you. I just thought if she thought it was weird that we always refer to it as Canadian Thanksgiving and American Thanksgiving because for her it's just Thanksgiving, so she doesn't. Anyways, that I mean, I'd like to apologize to all our listeners for having to listen to that because I really you're now dumber what, from having yeah. listened. To that. <laughs> May God have mercy on all of us for that. Uh, for if that, there's any leftover by... stuffing, just you know, put it put it on the front porch, and I'll come pick it up. 
Well, you, as we've well, well documented, as you're not allowed on my property, but uh, if you drive by right. at a fast rate of sp- as speed from my upstairs window, maybe I'll slingshot it and try and get it through your car window at the same yeah, that's time. That's weird, Dave. Like, I didn't really think that Drew needed an electric fence, but here we are. <laughs> Uh, the Jets open the scoring at the 529 mark of the first period. Josh Morrissey gets his third of the year assist to Dylan DeMello and Nikolai Ehlers. And it's a real nice play by Ehlers to sort of mm-hmm. take yeah. the time and space that he is given. And I think he was sort of surprised at the time and space. He's like, okay, I'll go a little bit into a better into a better area. And then he finds DeMello and DeMello with the shot and the big rebound gets kicked out to Josh Morrissey. And what I really like about this goal from Morrissey's perspective, this is a much harder play by Morrissey than it looks like sort of at first glance. First of all, he's on his, he's, you know, he's not on his strong side. He's on his weak side and trying to shoot this puck and it's very much in his skate. So it's sort of an awkward shot that he Mm -hmm. has to try and release quickly. And the skill level it takes in order to do what he did to get this puck uh, past uh, past Jonas Johansson and in the net is pretty high that you might not necessarily look and see at first glance on this goal. But I really like the John. I I like the entire effort by everybody involved with this Jets opening goal, Ezzy. Yeah, well, boys, you could say that, you know, it was a big juicy rebound that Jonas Johansson gives up, but also right. Josh Morrissey comes from the point and he puts himself in a position where, you know, it's the perfect position for the rebound, right? So, yeah, Dylan DeMello yellow, he puts the puck on the net and, you know, it's the Ehlers, as you mentioned, it was Nick Paul that was defending him. I really like Nick Paul. That's the thing, like, again, we mm-hmm. already talked about, you know, how many superstar players the Lightning have. I mean, even though they've lost a lot of their depth. But I mean, I don't. Would anybody be shocked if the Lightning won a round this year, or maybe even two rounds? Like, I don't think anybody thinks they're necessarily a Stanley Cup contender. Well, but there's no they're reason doing, they're doing this. They with Vazilevsky. Vazilevsky. He's although he might be back next week. That's what, That's what Drew what said. said. Drew yeah. mentioned that earlier. So I, I, you're right though, Dave. Like, I, I, I think this team is absolutely going to be a playoff team. I just yeah. don't know, like you know. But again, if you get into the playoffs. But anyways, on this goal, Drew mentioned it. Ehlers, just you know, Nick Paul is a good defensive forward. And, you know, Nick Ehlers just, he hangs onto the puck, hangs onto the puck. And, you know, Nick Paul is with him, um, but he hangs on just long enough. And, you know, the Lightning are scrambling a little bit. And really, I mean, just good on DeMello for putting the puck on the net, but horrible rebound management by Johansson, who I thought was pretty good in this game. But again, credit to Josh Morrissey, who was at the point left, kind of sneaks behind everybody, Dave, and, you know, gets in a perfect position you know, to put that that rebound. And so I grow, agree with Drew there. It was just a really highly st- skilled goal. You love to see all that movement in the lightning zone by the Jets. Well, and, you know, as I just want to jump on here and say that the, the play that I thought deserved highlighting was also what Nik- Nikolai Ehlers chose not to do, which was to take an ineffective shot from 20 feet away that was going to end up, you know, smothered. And instead, mm-hmm. he had a little bit of a lane to go, but he saw that, you know, he, it would cl- quickly collapse. He wouldn't be able to get into that, you know, the, into the house. So what does he do? He wheels over and sees DeMello and creates some time and space. So to me, the Ehlers um, heads upness there was to was really a, a real smart play to know when to shoot because, you know, it's funny because what it was one of the things Scott O'Neill was talking about was how he wanted Nikola Ehlers to shoot more. But to me, it's like, and you could shoot more for a rebound. And, and again, you talk about rebound control and that was obviously one of the things that they were talking about on the broadcast tonight. But for me, Nikola Ehlers choosing not to shoot, but instead to find DeMello, you know, to use his wheels to, to create some space and then to find DeMello. Really smart play by 27. And obviously he made some he made some neutral zone errors throughout the game, a little bit later in the game. But I thought 
I thought that was a really smart play, and he got the Jets the uh, the early goal and that early momentum. Yeah, early goal, early momentum. You can't we can't gloss over. And we did mention it before the Connor Hellbuck glove save off uh, off of Brandon Hagel on the breakaway, and certainly well, the, Kuch- you know, the Kucherov shot first. Right. It was like within 30 seconds, right? They had the Kucherov one-timer, which he made mm-hmm. a beautiful uh, kick save on. And then within, what, was it 15 seconds later, he makes the uh, breakaway save on Hagel. So yeah. Connor Hellebuck, Drew, was, was phenomenal in this game. He certainly was, uh, especially early on in that first period. He was quietly sort of phenomenal. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. He was just making like like really difficult saves, Dave. Make make They made look routine, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, good on him. He was really good tonight. And I agree, like like those shots earlier in the game are just as important as the saves that he made in the second and third periods, right? So I don't think anybody's going to say they he stole that game, but he was definitely better than Johansson. Well, then that's what you expect him to be. I mean, I think there was a there was a tweet, and I can't remember if it was when Johansson was in uh, Colorado or when he was with Buffalo, but there was a beat writer who said he was the worst goalie he's ever seen in his life. Um, just saying that the guy never made a save in a game and he never made a save in uh, in a practice. I can't remember if it was when he was in Colorado or if he was in, Bo- in Buffalo. Somebody online well, can find he's, him for He's me. found his game in Tampa Bay. Like his numbers sure. aren't, aren't – I no, think he's his got numbers eight are wins. Yeah, like his save percentage is like 899 or something or heading into yeah. the game. But like, you know, good on him. That's not an easy situation, right? Because – it's mm-hmm. not like it's not like you're just being asked to play more games. You're you're being asked to play like three quarters of the games, and he's held the fort down. And like we said mm-hmm. earlier, Vasilevsky is going to come back, but mm-hmm. the Lightning are in a, a position, a playoff position. Pardon me, at American Thanksgiving, and as we know, I mean, it's a lot easier to make the playoffs when you're already in a playoff spot. So give yeah. Johansson a lot of credit for just kind of you know steadying the ship while Vasilevsky's out. Yeah, look, the, the, nobody, nobody in Tampa expected to have to have to play the first quarter of the season with Jonas Johansson and Matt Tompkins as your two goaltenders, and they've actually done a very admirable job in in keeping the Lightning uh, above water and waiting for their all-world goaltender to get healthy, which should happen uh, any time now is what the Lightning are expecting. So one nothing early on for the Jets, they make it two nothing. Uh, little less than eight minutes later it's on the power play it's mark shifley getting his seventh of the year assist to josh morrissey and kyle connor power play success for the jets is certainly a is, is certainly a good thing uh you like how they move the puck around you know there's a shot on goal they gather up the rebound i fallow doesn't get credit for a point on this one but he's actively involved in feeding it to connor back to morrissey and then mark shifley with the high slot tip dave uh, and it eludes uh, Johansson to give the Jets a two nothing lead, a uh, little more than halfway through the first period. And what was it we were talking about? The Jets' power play was being predictable because it was slow, and now you're moving it a little bit more quickly, and you're having success. And so that's it. It's what we expected, right? The Jets have too much talent, as he on with this power play, the both units really to not have success. So for them, they're they're finding it, they're feeling good, and and again, a really nice play by Mark Shifley. You know he. He's he's got such unbelievable hands that you know he tips that puck beautifully and uh, there's not much chance in terms of stopping it. So I mean the Jets find themselves up to nothing and their momentum is going because again that was a really back and forth throughout the course of that hockey game. So they scored and you're like okay are the Jets going to press and they did to a certain degree but Tampa pushed back and again Connor Hellebuck was excellent but then they have a two nothing lead and you're like okay how are the Jets going to handle having as Don Cherry would call it, the worst lead in hockey. Usually that's after their, you know, the first period or second period. But right. ultimately, it's two nothing, and you're like, what? How are the Jets going to react? Because it's not like if you're Tampa, you couldn't feel like you're out of that hockey game at being down two nothing. Because no. 
and a there's a there's a lot of hockey game to go right but b based on how they had been playing and but i thought like i said i thought both teams had i mean how many whistles were in that game not many it was a fast you game know, it was well like played fast game and jumping ahead to the third period there wasn't a whistle for eight minutes and 35 seconds to start yes. to the end you know so to me there was there were a lot of there was a lot of um, ebbs and flows. There was a lot of back and forth throughout that game, Hiazzi. And so, yeah, the Jets are up 2 nothing. They're feeling good because, again, the power play, which is a, an area we didn't think the Jets would struggle, obviously had a lot of struggle, like the penalty kill, earlier in the season. I mean, to One your point, I, Dave. I was just going to say quickly, Drew, like, yeah. that's not the spot that I think, you know, is the best spot for Shifley on the power play. I think you guys would agree, though, that you don't always, like, and that's the key. I think what the point that Dave's trying to make is you're not seeing the same configuration from the first power play or second power play unit. And mm-hmm. I still like Shifley, you know, to be do by the goal line and kind of setting things up, you know, in the quote unquote kind of Gretzky spot. So, so obviously lower, not... lower down in the lower yeah, down. Exactly. Right. About. As opposed to, I guess, you know, we could call that the bumper spot. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, that's a beautiful tip. Like that goal to me is like what you, what you've seen Joe Pavelski do for the last, you know, 15 years, right? Those types of tips. Mm-hmm. I actually thought Morrissey just, you know, got it past Johansson. I didn't realize at first that Shifley got a stick on it, but obviously on the replay and you could see it change directions, right? Yeah. But I agree with Dave. I, I think the power play just doesn't look as predi- predictable, right? Like they're not always just trying to find Kyle Connor. And, mm-hmm. you know, Morrissey has become a master over the last few years at putting those pucks in the perfect spot. Like they practice this all the time. Dave knows this, right? Like that's just something these guys practice. And the execution there was just phenomenal. Yeah, it was very well done. Uh, two nothing for the Jets at that point. Dave, to your point about the few whistles in tonight's game, from start to finish, including of course overtime, which adds you know you know how they have to do the the you know it takes some time after the third ends until they actually drop the puck and everything else. Two hours and twenty five minutes. Dry scrape. Yeah, exactly. Two hours and twenty five minutes wow. from uh, the from puck uh, from the the opening puck drop to the end of the game, and that's in real time. So that's a pretty fast game. So speaking to your point about the lack of whistles, uh, the whistle went again at the eighteen oh six mark. Uh, this is on the power play. It actually went at the 17:25 mark as well. That's when they whistled Nate Schmidt to the penalty box for cross-checking. And then on the power play at the 18:06 mark, so a little less than a minute into the power play, it's a power play goal. Steven Stamkos, his eighth of the year, assist to Nikita Kucherov and Victor Hedman. And you can't talk about this goal without talking about the hobbled Mason Appleton, who almost immediately upon the power play takes a shot. Looks like it's sort of off the top of his foot almost where the uh where the tongue of the skate is not a lot of protection there and he was really struggling and couldn't get off the ice as the uh, lightning had control of the puck uh throughout this uh this power play and it's a seam pass and you know i wonder you know uh, truth be told i wonder if connor hellbuck wants this one back because he looks like he's in position here it's a great shot by stamkos but i think more often than not Hellebuck does make this save because he's in position. He's anticipating the 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 seam pass, which was successful as he and then. But uh, nonetheless, Stamkos is able to squeak it through Connor Hellebuck. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I mean, it's it's so hard though to. I know. I, I, I think criti- you guys. I'm not criticizing him for no, it. I just want to no, say that not. I think he probably thinks he could have. He he should save that one. Sure, and and, and I mean, you could take it further and say like, how many times? has that exact goal been scored, right? right? Hedman to Kucherov to Stamkos on the power play. Like, honestly, like, it, it's probably, I don't think it's in the hundreds, 
but I think we've seen that so many times. So Dave, you could easily say like, well, why don't the Jets see that coming, right? But you have to respect the other talented players that are on the ice, right? Like it's not just Steven Stamkos' shot that you have to worry about. I don't know what Tampa Bay's power play was heading into this game, but I think it was top 10. Yeah, there you go. So it was fourth, right? So we talked about it earlier. There were only three power plays in this game and there were two power play goals. So obviously, you know, you knew that, you know, Scott Arneal and John Cooper were saying before the game, right? Like we don't want to take a lot of penalties. I think teams say that before every game, but especially against the Tampa Bay team that uh, they're just so dangerous. So you're right. I mean, I think, you know, Hellebuck, if he's just a little bit quicker, I mean, but he was so good. We talked about it, you know, the Brandon Hagel save, Nikita Kucherov had a, a couple of good scoring chances early in the game and Hellebuck stopped them. So even though I think, you know, that's a, a goal that it, it's definitely put it this way, Drew, it's you, that's a savable shot. It, it is yeah. right. But I mean, it's a, it, it's a elite pass by Kucherov and Stamkos, does he have the best shot of all time? He, if he doesn't, he has one of the best shots of all the <laughs> one of the best. Like it's Brett Hall 2.0, right? Like it is. Yeah, I mean Stamkos is still, even though he's getting up there in years, and he, he's, I mean, he's now he he is, you know, he's still so tremendously talented, and he's also got that wily veteran uh, knowledge in, in everything he does. So it's tremendous still to watch him uh, operate at the high level that he does. But nonetheless. Uh, they get the uh, they cut the Jets lead in half. The Tampa Bay Lightning do. It's two one for the Jets. Uh, this is after twenty minutes, uh, a very entertaining uh, twenty minutes indeed. Uh, the Lightning tie it up. This is coming at the six thirteen mark of the second period. After one of the more entertaining goal mouth scrambles, you're you're going to see right, Dave Emma. I'll get you to talk about it in a second. Just. Uh, entertaining goal goal mouth scramble this is right after the lightning think they've tied it up but the goal is rightfully disallowed for goaltender interference because the lightning player i believe it was hagel if i'm not mistaken is uh, uh fiddling with uh connor hellbuck's pad yeah, in an appropriate it. manner yeah how exactly. long did it take the officials though to make that call it, it felt like it was 10 minutes yeah it's like it you blew the whistle so if anything dave like like by blowing the whistle you can't allow that goal, but then they called it goalie interference. And it was, vi- I don't know what was going through your guys' minds or, you know, people in the chat can chime in here, but I was thinking like, you know, John Cooper and the coaching staff must be thinking like, do we want to, at this point in the game, right? It's kind of like near the midway point of the game. Do mm-hmm. we want to give that Jets power play like another look? Cause that would, to me, that was very gray area goalie interference. Like was the puck not just there and he kind of, like pulled the puck behind the the out of the pad like you know what i mean that that's what was going through my mind it just didn't seem like tampa bay wanted to take the risk of giving the jets a a power play if they were wrong well and and you know credit to to dylan demello who who makes a nice play to slide the puck you know because that puck is loose in between connor hellebuck's legs he doesn't know where it is he slides it underneath him so you know because obviously he can't cover it and get a penalty but good on him to to at least get that underneath hellebuck and yeah i'm with you as like I, i thought it was very unusual like I was like, why is this taking so long? It's pretty clear that that was, you know, goalie interference or the puck was cl- covered already, and there shouldn't have been. And it was weird because you're listening on the broadcast. It's one of those funny things that you're watching the game, and you don't know what you're watching because it sounds different from the way they're describing it on the broadcast. Because they made it sound like the puck was on on Hellebuck, like on the back of Hellebuck's pad, not underneath him. So I'm like, what do they mean? It's on Hellebuck. It was under Hellebuck. So. A little unusual, but I, I really didn't think it was going to be a, a good goal. And I don't. I think John Cooper obviously made the right choice not to challenge it because I think they would have lost that challenge and, and obviously been shorthanded. So uh, definitely a bit of an unusual play. But, uh, yeah, I mean, 
you know, nice credit to Dylan DeMello for the heads up uh, thought to get that puck underneath the goaltender in a more secure manner. So that goal doesn't count. The Lightning do tie it up, as I mentioned, uh, mere minutes later. Uh, Bra- uh, Braden Point, he gets his eighth of the year assist to Brandon Hagel. This, after the goal mouth scramble, where it looked like the Lightning were going to tie it up there, it was sheer chaos in and around, and the puck gets finally squeaks out from harm's way, at least what the Jets hope to be harm's way, towards the sideboards. The Jets aren't able to clear. Kyle Connor had maybe the best chance, but Brandon Hagel was so hard on him immediately that Connor is unable to do anything. The puck uh, ends up coming to Braden Point and he's all alone and he just absolutely rifles the shot. I mean, unbelievable. You know, it was I don't un- think we're going to was... give him the Seagram shot of the game, but that was an amazing shot. Well, you know, it, it is so in and out that, you know, before Connor Hellebuck even has an opportunity to react. It was an incredible shot. A good reminder not to leave uh, point right, uh, to leave him alone right in front of your goaltender. Because even though he was in tight, I mean, that's the thing is, he, you know, he was in tight to Hellebuck too. And he was still mm-hmm. able to uh, do what he did in, in getting the puck beyond the Jets goaltender in a really just an incredible manner so people are just drooling over the shot right now and but Braden point like that's the thing like I hate to go back to this but like watch out for the lightning like again in the eastern conference like we haven't even mentioned that I don't think that the Jets are what 5-0-1 now against the eastern conference like the Jets are just dominating the central division and dominating their eastern opponents right now the eastern one is a shock the bigger shocker as he because they always have had problems with the east right the central less so but the east is definitely a bit of a surprise the only loss was to the Rangers, right? Mm-hmm. And that was in, was that a shootout or overtime? overtime? I forget. Yeah, so they got a point in that game, right? But speaking of of Braden Point, but I agree with Drew, though, that, like, you know, Shifley pushes the puck along the boards. Connor can't get it out. That was maybe, I mean, there weren't that many mistakes that the Jets made tonight. Like, I thought for the most, well, I mean, there were a couple of turnovers, like Nick Ehlers turning the puck over. I can remember. There are a couple uh, turnovers he had in the, I yeah, the middle like, frame. I mean, I'm not no. saying that there weren't other turnovers, but turnovers that turned into goals for the uh, for the Lightning, right? So mm-hmm. uh, that, w- that was just bad clearing. But also, yeah, I really like that play uh, from Hagel to, to point, but it's it's really all about that shot because it didn't look like there was that much room. Hellebuck's six foot four, as we know, uh, but that was just an elite shot. Yeah, that was just an elite shot is exactly what it was. And it was uh, it was a tremendous one and made it two all at that point in time. So we've gone from Jets having a two nothing lead to back to being even Steven after 40 minutes. And there was no scoring again in the third period. I thought the Jets were on their heels to start the third period. And Connor Hallibach had to make a number of saves. There was, I think, the blocker save. And I can't remember who he made the blocker save on. Uh, on the Lightning player who had a really in, cha- in in tight chance. I don't know if it was one of their big names. I can't remember if it was Kucherov or uh, I think it might have been Kucherov, but I could be wrong, uh, admittedly, that it was a real nice blocker save because he was sort of all alone in the low slot and a real good scoring uh, opportunity. And Hellebuck made a nice save there. I thought in the last six or seven minutes of the third period before both teams got real conservative, of course, to get the game into overtime so they could each earn the point as so often happens, especially when you're playing a team from uh, the other conference. But there was a period of time there in the, uh, uh, towards the latter half of these, of the third period where I thought the jets maybe sort of found their game again. I think it was on that. It started with David Gustafson. Uh, yeah. He had a real nice shift. Gustafson, Barron and, and AJF, had a really nice shift. Morgan Barron had a chance on that shift as well. Uh, that is that's sort of where I thought the Jets maybe sort of were able to find their game again, Dave, and sort of uh, 
just calm things down a little bit. Not that it had been uh, sheer chaos or anything like that, but they were just. I thought thought that at that point in time, things maybe tipped a little bit into the Jets uh, into the Jets' favor. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, a fair way of looking at it, Drew. And I agree with you in terms of the game management because that was one of those games in years past that the Jets would have lost, you know, with 30 seconds to go, 45 seconds to go, and you would have been like, you know, that's a game that you expected OT because it seemed like both teams, while they had chances, were managing it slightly and uh, not pushing quite as hard and taking quite as many risks. Like I said, there were still a couple of opportunities for either team to have won it, but ultimately you you felt like both teams knew we 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 want to get that extra point and coming into today's game both jets the jets and the lightning were sitting with 22 points so the jets obviously have 24 lightning up to 23 but you know they're looking at you know and the, the our friends at betway the odds were slightly in the favor of tampa not not significantly um but you know ultimately that was a you know it was an interesting play uh and i agree with you drew the jets had been they've been back on their heels, especially in that second period. In this third mm. period, I mean, they outshot uh, Tampa. I think at one point it was like six to three for the Jets. So they had a bit of an edge in terms of the shots, but I agree with you that they had been sitting back a little bit at points and the Gustafson line created a little bit of life and that was a good thing. So it's, it's, it's you know, it seems to be going well right now for uh, for the Jets. Yeah, it, things are things are certainly going well for the Winnipeg Jets, and then in overtime it went even better. That's the ends up being the game-winning goal, which simultaneously is also our Seagram shot of the game. The Seagram shot of the game. Big thanks to our friends at Seagram's, makers of fine liquor products such as this miniature bottle of fireball that i always keep handy in case as he gets out of line and i need a stiff drink in the middle of this post game show it's gonna say uh, like you keep showing that little mini bottle of fireball drew but there's still booze in there if that was at my house it would be all gone yeah but this one's got a lot less booze in it there uh, mr ginsburg go. i got th- i got three lined up here just in case go hard I need or go them. home drew that's uh, I'm at home, so can I go hard and be at home at the same time? Yeah. Uh, Adam Lowry, he gets his third of the season. Neil Pionk and Vlad Nemesnikov get the assists. It is uh, Vlad Nemesnikov's birthday, so uh, we will happy wish birthday. him a happy birthday uh, after he gets the secondary assist on this. This is Adam Lowry's first goal in nine games, so it certainly comes at a very opportune time. Uh, Nemesnikov and Pionk. So Pionk feeds it across the ice to Adam Lowry, and he gets it just up enough and over the uh, pad of Jonas Johansson, and the Jets walk out of Tampa with a 3-2 victory as he over the Lightning to uh, start this three-game Thanksgiving uh, weekend road trip with a victory over a very talented Lightning squad. Yeah, and Dave M. called it the Mikey Essimont revenge game, but maybe it was the <laughs> Vladislav Nemesnikov revenge game on his birthday because, of course, he used to play for the Lightning, right? When Rick, Rick Bonus was a member of the Lightning coaching staff. But, you know, I love, you know, I got to get, again, you know, we talked earlier about how Cole Perfetti and Nick Ehlers have remained healthy through the first 18 games. But another thing we talked about, and I don't know, you know, if we should be patting ourselves on the back for, you know, bringing these players up at the beginning. Always of the year. happy to, Ezzy. Always happy. Yeah, you can always do the Barry Horowitz, Dave, as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, we talked about Mason Appleton being a key player. He's elevated his game. And yeah. Neil Pionk has also elevated his game. And yes. it's Victor Hedman, who has the puck in the jet zone, 
And Neil Pionk just has, you know, he's just in good position, gets a little stick on it, and that's what causes the turnover. And Adam Lowry takes it in the jet zone and obviously starts the play. And Nemesnikov does some great work there. And, you know, Dave has talked about this. Like, it's hard to imagine why Nemesnikov, you know, has bounced around. I think he's played on four or five teams now in his NHL career. Um, but, you know, he's out there. The Scott O'Neill and Rick Bonus previously, like the coaching staff trusts him to right. be out there. And he draws a couple of lightning. And, you know, what that does is that creates some time and space uh, for Neil Pionk to get the puck on net. And then Adam Lowry, obviously, is just in the in the right spot. He's not covered. So I think Nemesnikov deserves a lot of credit, but Pionk deserves a lot of credit too, Dave, for causing that turnover, uh, getting the stick on on Victor Hedman there. You mentioned, well, of course, the sorry, Dave, it's the AC Mont revenge game, but those guys were traded for each other. Yeah, if you were, can, well, remember AC Mont went from directly. San Jose to Tampa for Nemesnikov, then Nemesnikov went to Winnipeg uh, mm-hmm. for that fourth round pick. So the uh, the certainly the ties recently between those two guys. Yeah, no, and I just wanted to connect to uh, the Seagram shot of the game, Drew, because I met with our friends from Seagrams today, and uh, let's just say Dean provided me with a lot of Seagram swag, a oh, lot, boy. a lot. So whenever you guys are coming to uh, Illegal Curve events, and we've got one coming up in, in a few weeks. December uh, 7th, I mean, mark it on your calendar. Spency, if you're listening, we have a Seagram's thong waiting for you. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to go that far, but we've got hats. We've got T-shirts. We've got hoodies. We've got jackets. We've got tons of things to give away. So uh, I haven't even gone through it all, but thanks to Dean from uh, Seagram's. We've got uh, a lot to give to the folks who are watching this show, and we'll be wearing some ourselves, as he always likes to, to try some on. So we'll have some when... When we do this show, maybe I'll throw the Seagram's uh, jumpsuit on again, as like we did a couple times. But uh, yeah, a lot of thanks to our friends at Seagram's for for supporting this show and uh, and supporting all the uh, folks who they want to give our their gear to. So uh, we'll have some fun stuff to give away uh, coming up. As Dave mentioned, so this is a good prelude or a good segue there. Thursday, December the seventh. So mark it on your calendars, folks. We've been talking about it, and you do this right. You can write it down and everything else. Thursday, December the seventh, which happens to be the first night of Hanukkah. So come celebrate Hanukkah with yours truly, Ezzy and Dave. We're at Boston Pizza Taylor. Just pace Jeff- yourself on the Jam Busters, Drew. Pace yourself on the Jam Busters. Maybe we'll get the the, the good folks at Boston Pizza. Uh, cactus cut and potatoes. I understand can easily become potato latkes. Uh, so Thursday, December seventh, the Jets and the Colorado Avalanche. We're hosting the watch party. We're hosting the live edition of the Illegal Curve post game show. So be sure to mark it on your calendars. Come join us. Drink specials, food specials, Illegal Curve giveaways. It's going to be a great night. So put that on your calendar. Of course, uh, Thursday, December the seventh. The game time is eight o'clock. So for those of you who might have youngins at home, put the youngins to bed. Well, obviously there's a conflict. The, the question though is, Doug, when is your hockey game? Because I believe that's an eight o'clock start, right? It's an eight o'clock start. So, uh, you so know, Doug long- might be able to come after. Or I think Doug needs to reprioritize and thinks that, yeah. you know, a night out with legal yeah, curve. Doug, you have other guys on the team. I mean, you can, you can run like five forwards, four defensemen. It's beer league. It's all good. There you go. Yeah. So join us Thursday, December 7th. This game's uh, at 1040. This game's at 1040. Doug, you got plenty of time. Come join oh, yeah. us. Have a Come drink. The first period and a half. 
Yeah. I mean, I mean, the other us. question, Doug has to tell us where the game is. I mean, if it's at, you know, uh, Charles Barber Arena versus, you know, if it's in the North End or something, if it's at Billy Mozienko Arena. Well, if it's, the North End, and if it's at the North End, you won't be able to take the Arlington Bridge, unfortunately. So, <laughs> Not safely, at least. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, it's weird, guys. I decided to go for a walk this this afternoon, and I halfway through. Halfway through the walk, I realized that half of the bridge was missing. So, yeah, there you go. That's uh, not a the, for the so record, people... that's not a laughing matter because uh, oh, that's, I the, know. That's, the, that's the best route to get to my parents. It pisses me off. Arlington, the best set of lights. And yes. now, now I can reveal my secret because it won't matter anymore. They're sequenced. But it, it's perfect from Arlington to Inkster, from, sorry, from, uh, from uh, Dufferin to yeah. Inkster. It is perfectly coordinated lights. Every light, you don't hit a red. And then a green and a red and a green. It is perfect. Unfortunately, I will no longer be able to take the uh, Arlington route to my parents. The, the most important thing to consider, though, is who's going to get Bailey a fake ID between now and December 7th? That's the real question uh, at hand. A fake ID, Drew. Well, she can just, as long as Amy comes with her, then, uh, then it'll be fine. Okay. Maybe. I don't, I even don't know think, I don't think they're IDing. Yeah, Bailey, we know people. We'll get you in. There you go. So Thursday, December 7th, we're live at Boston Pizza on Taylor Avenue. Come watch the Jets and the Avs. Come have a few beverages. Come win some prizes. Come watch. Ryan's coming. It's going to be huge. There you go. It's going to be a party Thursday, December 7th. Place when we to come, be. There you go. Jets win tonight 3-2 to two when we come back. More on the Jets' victory. Uh, some unfortunate moose news or, uh, given their result tonight. Dave will update us on that. Much more to come. It's a, What night is it? It's a Wednesday night. It's the Illegal Curve postgame show. It rolls yeah, we're going on. to the Palladium Drew, after this. <laughs> Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsburg with you. Your coworkers love you because you always make them laugh. You're the life of the party with stories that have them rolling on the floor. Or maybe you're just the quiet one in the corner with the one-liners that just slay. Do you have what it takes to become Winnipeg's funniest person with a day job? Try your luck. Hit the stage at Rumors Comedy Club, and you could be walking away with $1,000 cash. Winnipeg's funniest person with a day job. Presented by Rumors. For all the details, head to RumorsComedyClub.com. So you're a pizza person, you married a wing person, but somehow your kids are salad people. You can't pick your fam, but you can pick your BP meal deal. Starting from $18.99 for takeout or delivery at bostonpizza.com. The game can change just like that. Accidents happen when you aren't protected. So now what? Getting to your injury quickly can make all the difference. Help prevent them from being game changers with Linden Market Dental Center. Bonding, crowns, bridges, and dental implants. State-of-the-art treatments are available to help you get back in the game. To learn more, visit LindenMarketDentalCenter.com. Creating smiles for life. Whoa, Ezzy, everything okay? You look stressed. Of course I'm stressed. We're moving, the house is upside down, the kids failed miserably at packing the fine china, and my life is in chaos. Chaos! Yes, that does sound like a problem. What am I going to do? Ezzy, relax. Rolly's transfer moving and storage is the answer. With 60 years of experience in moving Manitobans and a track record of exemplary customer service, one call to Rolly's and your stress is gone. No job is too big or too small, just visit rollies.com and they will take it from there. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage, online at rollies.com. Boston Pizza harnessed Fanalytics to test if the game is better at home. 
or at Boston Pizza. The results are irrefutable. Catch the game at Boston Pizza, powered by Fanalytics. For three generations and over 80 years, Tough Duck has been making apparel that works and plays as hard as the people who wear it. From jackets to work boots and everything in between, Tough Duck's clothing can handle the harshest environments, even the illegal curve hockey show. Work to live, live to play. Visit toughduck.com. We're back. It is Wednesday night. It's Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsburg, the Illegal Curve post-game show rolls on. The Jets defeating the Tampa Bay Lightning 3-2 to earlier tonight. This is courtesy of our friend Mike McIntyre. Jets 11-5-2 overall. 10-2-2 in the last 14. 4-0 in the last four. Second in the Central, fifth in the West eighth in the nhl so those are some stats that will certainly uh warm the cockles of jets fans all throughout the world and that cockles? We... well if you have cockles they are now warmed by based on mike's uh on, on mike's tweet well speaking of warm i know that mike mcintyre is in vegas right now i'm not outing him by the way he's been sharing on social media so i'm not sure if you know mike tweeted that out from the the pool or uh you know the casino but hopefully mike's having a great time down in nevada Yes, thank you uh, for that. Is uh, indeed, indeed, but uh, excellent uh, results as of late for the Winnipeg Jets. And I think I saw somebody in the chat earlier tonight say there. You know, it wasn't that long ago that when the Jets and the Oilers met on was that that was a Saturday night game, if I'm not mistaken. But when the Jets and the Oilers played each other on that Saturday night, both teams were one and three entering that game, and the uh, fortunes uh, for the two teams have certainly gone in opposite directions uh since then as the jets succeed tonight 11 5 and 2 now on the season and the oilers uh did not succeed tonight they uh have not solved many of their problems you still think they're going to make the playoffs drew remember when you asked i did say it you know what i ain't making the playoffs i don't know i mean it's still hard to believe five or 12 or something they're five 12 and one they're five 12 and one as he i mean it's over you know what? I don't know. Can they? They have to play at about a six. I think I think saw something like a six thirty-five, six fifty. I don't know if it was points percentage or winning percentage for the rest of the year. But uh, you know, in that division that they're in, if they can get hot, it's not. I'm not that's, willing to that's say. That's the only reason I think it's there's a chance is because that is the worst division in hockey, probably. I'm not willing to say it's a complete zero percent chance that they have no chance of doing it, but they certainly are uh, continuing uh, to dig themselves a significant hole. They're just and too it, bad defensively. Like, the, well, the goaltending is one thing, but just defensively, like, you can't give up five or six goals every game, and they've been doing that so many times this year. So, yeah. I mean, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, I mean, they, they're going to do what they do, uh, but, I, I, you know, until they, they, they get way better defensively, and obviously, you know, Chris Knobloch has had no impact on that team at all. Oh, maybe it wasn't the goal. Maybe it wasn't the coaching. Maybe that wasn't the issue. Exactly. Uh, you know, when you're down, look, it was 4 nothing for Carolina 15 minutes into the game. You know, it's it was over at that point in time. And then, yeah, you know, Edmonton made the score look slightly more respectable at 6-3. But, you know, it's 4 nothing, then 4-1, and then 5-1. So, you know, Zach Hyman, you know, and not to get too deep into the Oilers, because, you know, nobody, you know, I think there's a lot of schadenfreude going on, which I totally understand. More importantly, to quote Spencey, what is this, uh, Oilers lunch right now? Look, but this just goes to show you what they, what they are. They're, so you start the game horribly. You're down 4 nothing. 
Zach Hyman scores late in the first period to make it 4-1. Okay, mm-hmm. maybe you've come out, you use that goal as momentum to get you going in the second period. Stranger things have happened. What happens to start the second period? Well, uh, Martin Neckash scores two minutes into the period. It's well, just- Drew, hold on, for the, Drew, for the record. He didn't just score. The Oilers abdicated all responsibility for playing defense because he was a man on an island surrounded by Oilers and not a one was interested in te- taking him in front of the net. So yeah. it was bad, bad defense. It was bad, bad defense indeed. And then, you know, boom, done. 5-1 at that point. No, none, nothing else matters in that game as they all go on to a 6 The Hurricanes defeat the Oilers 6-3. Uh, another Sorry, just, just fun just, game. Yeah, that's going are you going to talk about the Blues-Coyotes? That's what I was going to say. It's, There's a uh, minute left in the second period. You know, it's the second period, yeah, second really? period hasn't ended in Arizona yet. Uh, it's currently five all between the Blues and the Coyotes. So you know, two teams wow. that aren't really going anywhere. Very, you know, you know, it wouldn't shock me if one of those teams ended up as a playoff team just because eight teams need to make it out of the West. Um, but uh, the Blues and the Coyotes are certainly not putting on a defensive uh, spectacle. Uh, five all uh, with uh, with still about 21 minutes to go in that game. I just wanted to touch on that real quick. Another team that's uh, getting scored on a lot, unfortunately, is the Manitoba Moose. It's get into it with the Manuk Moose Minute. Put on your antlers. It's time for the Manuk Moose Minute on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Well, I, I, there's not much to report because I unfortunately was watching, we're not for, unfortunately, I was fortunately watching the Jets game, tried watching the Moose game, and that was a painful experience. <laughs> uh, no Declan Chisholm. He is out with illness. So even though he's on a conditioning assignment, he was not in the lineup. The Moose had started, even though they had gone and lost four straight in Winnipeg during that homestand, they had started this road trip with that really tough three games in three days. Uh, Belleville, the first one, the last two in Toronto. And uh, they went two and three, got hammered in Toronto on Saturday, came back, had a gutsy effort after playing three games in three days and beat the Marlies uh, 4-2 on Sunday. And then traveled to Rockford, had a skate yesterday. And then uh, it looked like the game was, it was interesting. Jeff Mullot and Brad Lambert had a really good chance when it was 0-0 to uh, open the scoring. They didn't. Shortly thereafter, the Rockford Icehawks scored three goals on, in about six minutes, take a 3-0 lead. and then. You know, when I started to really focus on the Jets more than the Moose at that point, still paying attention to the Moose, but really uh, I saw, again, they scored two more quick goals to start the second period. So things weren't going well uh, for the Manitoba Moose. They were down 5 nothing. I did uh, notice, though, and like I said, I was actually cutting those videos, so I'll be tweeting them out. Don't you worry, very shortly. But Nikita Chibrikov, he scored two more goals. So he is, he is on a bit of a heater, the 2021 second rounder of the Winnipeg Jets. And so he is... Uh, I mean, he's he's been on fire of late, and so that's that's one positive that you can take. But I, again, I, I haven't watched the game enough today to really know what what went wrong for the Moose, other than it seemed like every shot for Rockford went in, and Rockford has had the Moose's number this year. That's their third win in uh, three attempts playing against the Ice Hogs. So the Moose, I believe, head out to Chicago next, usually or Milwaukee. I, I don't know entirely, but they'll have a weekend series coming up, and then they'll be back in Winnipeg. And when they're back in Winnipeg. We'll have some tickets to give away. So nothing great about the Moose other than, like I said, two goals for Nikita Chibrikov. So that's a good thing for him. One goal, Ezzy, we got to talk about, though. We saw him in Winnipeg on, on uh, was it Friday, when the Buffalo Sabres were in town. Oh, man, what and a fans, goal. And fans in wow. Winnipeg 
who watched the ice, saw him from two of the three years he was in the in junior. It was obviously one year he was in the bubble. But Zach Benson, the 13th overall pick in 2023, if you didn't see his goal, and I'm sure you did, but if you didn't see his goal, make sure you check because it was spectacular. And you know, For the record, I, we would put it up, but I'm pretty sure that it would, it would be a copyright violation, even if we matter. put up the Twitter feed version it of it. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah. You'll, find it, you'll find it after, but all I was going to say is, yeah, Drew, we don't want any cease and desist orders. But it's, no, we it, already have actually, many of them. For the, record, actually, the other. For, the, for the record, I actually put two, uh, that out yesterday because someone was stealing our images. So I actually uh, had that happen. You put out yesterday. the highlight of Matt Savoy's, pardon me, of Zach Benson's goal no, yesterday? I think, I think he said he's put out a cease and desist no, order and to yes, somebody. Someone who was mis, misusing IC images. Oh, yeah, Dave doesn't so, like that. No, I did not like that. And I know these images. I posted them. I know I know Colby and Alex's photos like the back of my hand. There's no issues there. So anyways, but no, if, if you didn't see it, just check this out. This kid is unbelievable. And and it's funny because another kid scored his first goal um, in the game. But it was funny because that one went off of him and into the net. Now, look, he's it's the NHL. He's happy that he scored it. But Zach Benson scoring that as his first goal. I suspect what we'll see from SportsCenter is, you know, the, the whether that's the top, not necessarily of all time, but has to be up there in terms of you know the the first goal that the kid scores in the NHL because it was a spectacular goal and so yeah. kudos to him he's a really good kid and he's a really really talented kid had a lot of good things to say about Winnipeg when he was uh, in town with the Sabers so uh, you know the Sabers have a good one with him and he's obviously still junior eligible as he but it seems like he might be sticking around so uh, good for him for getting his first goal certainly was an incredible goal for him to uh, help the Buffalo Sabres tonight. One final thing before we wrap up the post-game show. It's courtesy of our friends at Tough Duck. The Tough Duck Hardison Comment. Mr. Ginsburg, who's getting the Tough Duck Hardest Hitting Comment tonight? Lots of good comments. We had, I think, at one point, close to 350 people watching live. It's dip a li- dipped a little bit, but that's probably because we've been a little bit incoherent for the last <laughs> five to ten minutes. But uh, we're going to give it to Perry William Cousin. I like this comment. I love the fact that Winnipeg is using high-pressure puck side attack defense. It's what's the best NHL teams do. Reduces injuries, uh, uh, blocking shots. And, you know, we talked about that earlier you know, the importance of having Nick Ehlers and Cole Perfetti healthy. And obviously, you know, Gabe Velarde is going to come back in the next week to two weeks. I guess, you know, people are speculating that, you know, he might play against the Nashville Predators on Sunday. I wouldn't hold my breath. I think it's more likely that, I think you guys would agree that's more likely Velarde comes back when the Jets are back home. But we'll see. I mean, he is on the road any trip. Ga- but... It's any game now, so it's 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 not too far from now, which is going to be such a, a boon to the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, it could happen. I mean, I, 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 like I don't think anybody thinks it's going to happen Friday night, but I think that Sunday game. I would. I, I'm just speculating at this point. Uh, so he could play, but I think the the point that I liked here that Perry made is the high pressure, you know, puck side attack defense, right? Like and. It's kind of like, you know, the Jets and Lightly, we talked about this was back and forth, two really speedy, skilled teams, uh, but they play very similar systems, right? And so you, so a lot of times it's one-on-one battles, board battles, like there wasn't a lot of, you know, uh, I guess room out there if you want to use that tired cliche, right? So Perry, send me an email, Ezra, E-Z-R-A, at IllegalCurve.com with your mailing address and Tough Duck will ship out a toque to you. 
And looks like it's going to be it's Perry's birthday coming up in a couple days. So there you go, right. a birthday gift from us, courtesy uh, from us to you, Perry. Courtesy Perry, you got to tell us what you're doing friends. for your birthday, though. Are you Perry's gonna, in Edmonton. And, are you going to celebrate? Your, oh, is he? Yeah, Perry's in Edmonton. Well, he's a former Manitoban living in Edmonton. So nice. Well, tough guy. Oh, ship out hold to on, hold on, hold on. Uno momento. Whew. Okay. Birthday, birthday's got David. I'm thinking. One second. One second. Thank you, Ezra, for picking Perry. One second. Un momento. Brian Harluck. Howerluck. Howerluck, sorry. is a huge fan of Illegal Curve. He's turning 50 tomorrow. So uh, his wife, Charlene, asked if we would give him a birthday shout-out. And I was responding to her emails, but I'm not so sure Charlene was getting my responses. So I wanted to... Well, you can, I- tell, you can tell Charlene that we're not going to be giving that birthday shout out. <laughs> well, I'm not certain as to when I, I all I asked, her was, I said, we have a, we have a game on the 22nd. We have a game on the 24th, 24th. So I'm like, that's his birthday smack dab in the middle. Would you rather it be before or after? Always it's early, 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 better than belated. Well, that's what I figured. So that's why when you, I agree, it, I hate to agree with Drew, but I'm right. Like, is there anything worse than when someone says happy belated birthday? Yeah, I couldn't be bothered to remember that it was your birthday until I saw it on probably your Instagram or social media feed. So I thought I'd send you a message saying happy belated birthday because I'm really not, I don't really care that much. Don't give me a belated happy birthday. If anything, just don't say anything to me, right? Like, like, I would rather you you just don't acknowledge my existence than give me a happy belated birthday. Like Drew does every year. Never wishes me a happy birthday. Let's keep it that way. I look. I tell all my closest friends. I tell everybody. Which I love you, you dearly. You and I are not part of that equation. No, 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 no. I, this includes you guys too. I love you dearly. Oh, wow. cool. I, I, I care for you. I, I care about your well-being. I care about everything that's going on in your life. I'm not one? good with birthdays. I'm not good with remembering birthdays. I'm not good with acknowledging birthdays. That doesn't mean that I think any less of you as a human being. You're still incredibly special to me. But odds are I'm not going to acknowledge your birthday. Okay, Drew, well. as long as you remember your kid's birthday and mm-hmm. Laura's birthday and your mm-hmm. mom's birthday, mm-hmm. I could throw in Sheldon, but no, mm-hmm. I'm joking, obviously. As long as you remember your family and your close friends' birthdays, I think yeah. that's all that really matters. Um, yeah, like how can you keep track of all the birthdays, right? Well, we're, Look, we're hey, here at Illegal Curve, we're keeping track of Brian Howerleck's birthday. So happy Brian's birthday turned, to Brian. Brian's happy early birthday. More. We're not going to give Brian a happy belated birthday. No, you, either happy give, early you, birthday. Either, you either give him a happy birthday on his actual birthday or early. I'm with Drew. Well, as I might, I was actually thinking about sending you to Brian's 50th birthday party as the special guest. Jumping Charlene out of a said, cake? In, in absolutely, yeah, exactly. I was, we offered one of those novelty cakes. Charlene said, no, that's not something she was interested in. But happy 50th birthday to Brian. We hope you have a great uh, birthday. Many, many more from us at Illegal Curve. And thank you for supporting us here on our channel. We really appreciate it. And of course, on the website, IllegalCurve.com. I'll, I'll, I'll say this much, Dave. I will jump out of the cake for Brian's 50th birthday, if Spenzi joins me in the cake. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm not sure and, the cake we're actually going to be eating, be eating and, the cake as we're in the cake. We want as, we want Brian in, to make it to his 51st birthday, though. In, in, by the way, what he didn't tell you is in Seagram thongs. Anyway, so let's just quickly get back to the... There's another question. We're going to answer it before the end of the night. Roger says, where can we buy Illegal Curve Farmery Beer, IC Beer? That is Bruce a great all question, night Roger. Can raises. Roger, the answer to that question is... Number two, Donald Street, right near the Midtown Car Wash. There is a uh, uh, farmery retail, beer outlet, a retail yeah, location. A retail location for farmery. 
and that's where you can buy your IC beer. So uh, go but there. Dave, you can also out. you can also mention the code. We have a code. We have a promo code. We do. Yes. We do. I. I. It, but it's 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 the number. It's I can have to look it up in the email. It's IC beer ten off. There we go. That's I should, online. I should know, Dave. Dave. Dave, I should know, but code, I do remember that. When there is a code, when there is a code to save me ten dollars off a twelve pack of beer, I memorize that code. Is it I a actually? Pack I have actually written it on the back of my hand. Is it, a, is it ten dollars off? A, a, it's a twelve pack. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. So there's the code, and I think it's on our it's on our Instagram, if I'm not mistaken, as well. At some point. Yeah. Okay. So check it out if you. I was going to mention too, farmery.ca. You can order beer online. Tell Perry it's on the well, Perry, you're in Edmonton, but it's on the south side of uh, the river, not the north side. That's correct. It would be on the south yeah. side of the uh, near Midtown. Like, so and Perry, on, next time you're and in Winnipeg, it's on the west side of the red. The Arlington Bridge next time you're in Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah, don't take the Arlington, Perry. Yes. And I will mention with all the talk about birthdays, our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club are home of the birthday club. So if you're looking for a place to celebrate your birthday from five days before to five days after the actual birthday with a party of four or more people, the birthday person is in as Rumors guest and everyone else is in for half price. So you can find out more information about the Rumors Birthday Club. RumorsComedyClub.com is all, has all the information about everything to do with uh, Rumors By the way, Drew, sorry Club. that I keep calling Rumors and asking to have my birthday party six days before my actual birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we want to say a big thank Ooh. you to all of our sponsors. We mentioned Rumors. We mentioned, of course, Linden so Market Dental Center, Zapia Group Realty. What do you? Oh, you're telling me Frosty, oh, Frosty. To get it up on the state on the on the on go. the site. Uh, Betway, they're the title sponsor of the post game show. Uh, Tough Duck, we gave away the Tuke Boston Pizza. Uh, December the seventh. There he goes. December the seventh, you'll be there. Boston Pizza on Taylor Avenue will be there. Jets Avalanche live post game. It's a Hanukkah party extravaganza. Celebrate the holiday season with us at Illegal Curve on Thursday, December the seventh. Our friends at Seagram's, Rolly's Transfer, and, of course, Farmery Beer support these fine businesses because of their continued support of Illegal Curve Hockey. Dave and Ezzy will be back on Friday night to bring you coverage of the Jets and the Panthers. Saturday morning, the Illegal Curve Hockey Show back here at 9 a.m. It's going to be a great one. If you're celebrating uh, U.S. Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving tomorrow, we wish you all the best on the holiday and to enjoy the turkey and the football and the trip to Wobble, fame. wobble, gobble, gobble. There you go. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. If you've ever seen that WKRP in Cincinnati episode, you'll know what I'm talking about. 45 years ago, Drew. Yeah, I know. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. We'll see you Friday night. For Dave Manuk, for Ezra Ginsberg, I'm your host, Drew Mandel. Thanks for watching the Illegal Curve postgame show. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, Follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.